So I have a question. Well, I'm asking for a friend. Does God love transgender people? I'm asking for a friend. Everyone's worried all the time. What do you think we're all so worried about? If our God is the one true God, why doesn't everyone believe that? Why does God only heal some people? I'm just asking for a friend. NCC, how are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's good to see each of you here, and once again, if it's your first time, maybe you're watching online for the first time, or you're here and someone invited you, um, we are glad to be worshiping with you. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church, and I'm glad that you're with us this morning. We're kicking off a brand new series called Asking for a Friend, and we're going to be spending the next few weeks talking about some difficult questions that we have, or maybe we're embarrassed to ask them, so we're asking for a friend, but we're going to touch on some difficult conversations that are being highlighted in the culture today, or maybe that we have, and I'm excited for this series. I know it's going to be good, and on the fifth week of this series, we're going to have a panel up here, and we want to answer more of your questions, and so over the course of the next couple weeks, maybe even today, you have a question about God about the church, about why do we believe this or why do we do this, and we want you to text in those questions. So we have a number up on the screen. I think we have right there. Um, You can see it. So you can write that down, snap a picture of that. Um, You're going throughout your week this week. You're having a conversation with a family member or with someone else, and a question pops into your mind. We want you to text those in, and we're going to try our best on the fifth week of this series to answer as many of those questions that we can. Our panel will And it's going to be um, a great time. You're not going to want to miss any of these conversations. And so today we're starting this first week asking for a friend with this question right here. Does God love transgender people? Does God love transgender people? And I'm just going to be honest with you. This is probably one of the most difficult messages I will preach this year. Um, I spent a lot of time this week praying and fasting and asking for others to pray for me. Um, because I know this, this is a difficult topic, and it's been highlighted in our culture and in where we live, and there's a lot of difficulty surrounding this, because if maybe you're watching this, and, and you're, you have questions about bring, being transgender or gender identity or any of those things, or you have close family members or friends, people that you love, and they're wrestling through some of these questions, this can be really difficult, and so I want to just start by acknowledging that. We don't take this conversation lightly. Um, This isn't something that we just kind of brush past, that that there's a weightiness with what we're talking about today. And there's even some tensions within this conversation itself and within this question, does God love transgender people? One of the tensions that we have to acknowledge and um, wrestle with is this has become a political issue. And no matter where you land on this, on one side, there's one political party that says, 
one thing, another political party that says another, and there's all of these questions about policy and government and what should be stated as law, what shouldn't be stated as law. And so to have any voice in this automatically categorizes you in one area or another. And so it becomes a political thing, and that doesn't feel really great. And the other thing is it becomes like an issue or ideology, that there are activists and there are groups on both sides once again. And so whenever you speak up, it seems like you're speaking up about ideas or issues or things. And what happens in the midst of both of those is we lose sight of people. And I want you to hear me, church. This morning, we're not talking about politics. And we're not talking about policies. And we're not talking about issues or ideology or some dogma. We are talking about people. And so as we walk through this conversation today, I want you to keep that in mind. That this is people, this is how God sees us, is people, not just some issue or an idea. God sees us as people. And so there's a tension even as we ask that question, does God love transgender people? Another tension is if you land on the side that says, hey, I believe that our gender identity should line up with our biological makeup. That's how I feel. All of a sudden, you're labeled. You're labeled as a bigot. You're labeled as homophobic. You're labeled as a hater. You're outdated. You don't understand people's feelings. You don't understand modern culture. You don't have a voice. And so many times the church or Christians, we stay silent because we don't know how to respond to this. And it feels like, hey, I don't want those labels said about me. And so I'll just kind of keep quiet and see how all of this plays out. And that's a tension we have to wrestle with. The other thing, another tension is there's this imbalance in this, it seems like. There's this group over here that says no matter what's going on or no matter what's taking place, we just need to love each other. And on the other side, there's a group that says, hey, this is all about truth and this about an idea or a dogma. And it feels like there's this imbalance. And we many times don't see a beautiful middle ground. And there's a tension in that. Well, how do we bridge those two things together? And how do we do that? And so there's a tension in all of these things that we're talking about. There's a lot of confusion around this topic. And just researching and looking at this, um, there was one of the major kind of social media entities out there who a number of years ago, as this was being highlighted, was approached by a few activist groups that were advocating for this idea that gender needs to be non-binary. And so we need a lot more terms when we talk about gender other than female and male. And so this social media company went away, talked to different people, focus groups, all of that. And they came back with 20 categories of here's how we will allow people to identify as it relates to their gender. And the activist group said, not enough. You're too constricting. 20 isn't enough. You need to expand those parameters. And so they went back. They came up with 50 and they brought it back. And they said, not enough. Not enough categories there. And so finally they settled in on a fill in the blank. That you can just click that and write in whatever you want to, however you want to identify. And so wherever you land on this, even with experts, it's very confusing. And the terms that are used, they're not always clear. And so I want to start just by um, giving a little bit of a foundation. And I am in no way an expert or going to touch on a lot of this. But just terms that you may hear as we talk about transgender or gender identity. And, and so we have a few of those to bring a little bit of clarity as we start this conversation this morning. The first is cisgender. So if you've ever heard someone referred to as that, that's someone whose gender matches up with their biological makeup. 
So if you're a female and you were born physiologically as a female, your biological makeup matches with your gender, your cisgender, or the same thing with the male. Transgender, someone whose gender identity does not line up with their biological sex that they were born with. And so they could be transitioning or they could have transitioned into another gender. And that could either be through physical appearance, how they present themselves, how they wish to be identified, or there could have been a surgical or biological change within their biological makeup to match what they feel they are as an individual, transgender. There's gender fluid. And if some of these terms sound familiar, we talked about them about a year ago when we were talking over a similar subject here about gender identity. And gender fluid is someone who over time, they feel like their gender can change back and forth or even into other gender identities. And so that may not necessarily be day to day. It may be um, different seasons, shorter or longer seasons where their gender may um, change. Non-binary, those who do not just identify as male or female. Pronouns are terms that um, for individuals that don't fit into traditional gender roles and they prefer to be called by other terms. Those are referred to usually as pronouns. And the last category that many say should not just be kind of lumped in with this, but it often is, is the term intersex. And those are people um, who on a chromosomal level and or a physical level, um, there are sexual or abnormalities within their body. So that could be with DNA or chromosome, or it could be in their sexual makeup. And that term is now referred to as intersex. And once again, most people would say, hey, that's a different category because they're not choosing their identity or their gender. Um, it's something that's happening on a biological level with them. And so these are terms that are often used. And once again, there can be a difficulty because we may not fully understand what people are going through or what they're dealing with. And to kind of know where to jump in on the conversation can be hard at times. And so I want to just acknowledge this, that if you're watching this, if you're in the room, if you have close family members or friends, or you yourself have questions about this or have feelings like this, we need to start by acknowledging, hey, those feelings are real. Those are real feelings that you're experiencing. Those are real questions that you have and real issues that you are wrestling with. And to ignore that, it's not okay. And it's not the way that God tells us to deal with things. And so we need to acknowledge the reality of what people are feeling. But also in that, it, it, it's good that we know as people who are seeking after God, who are asking questions about faith and a relationship with Jesus, that we do not allow our lives to just be dictated by the culture around us. We do not allow our lives to even be dictated and determined by what we feel. But we as followers of Christ must continue to come before God and ask him that as our creator, as our designer, as the God of our life, what is it that he sees for our life? What are his plans and his purposes for us? And so something that I want you to think about today as we walk through this, it's the author, not the characters in the story, that gives direction and meaning to the story. It's the author and not the characters in the story that gives direction and and meaning to the story. So let's get to this question right here. Does God love transgender people? And the answer to that, the simple, easy answer is yes. 100%, without a doubt, no question in my mind, God loves transgender people. God loves them. We're told that in scripture. If that feels difficult for you because you come from a maybe traditional church background or the way that you were raised, you thought, no, God does not love them. 
You are wrong. God 100% loves transgender people, and we see this in Scripture. And here's what we need to realize. God does not love us because we are perfect. God does not love us because we have everything figured out. God does not love us because we have all the answers and there are no more questions or doubts in our mind. There is no one in this room or listening to this that has a relationship with Jesus that you came to Jesus perfect. It doesn't happen. You came in your brokenness. I came in my brokenness. I came with questions and doubts and confusion in my life, and God still loved me. And that's what Scripture tells us. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 10. And I'm just going to let you know, today we're going to go through a number of different scriptures. And you can even, um, either open up the Bible NCC app, um, I'm sorry, our NCC app and go to sermon notes or in your Bible. Or you can just take pictures of this or write it down and go back and reflect on some of these. I um, want to encourage you to do that as we walk through these different scriptures. But John, this is one of Jesus' disciples, one of the guys that was closest to Jesus. And this is what he says, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 says this, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so this is what John is reminding them. This is decades after Jesus has died and resurrected and ascended back into heaven. John is writing to the early believers and he's like, I need to remind you of this. You didn't love God first. You didn't do that. It wasn't that God's, that you said, okay, God, I love you. And God's like, okay, you love me. Now I'm going to love you back. No, it's in your brokenness, in the issues that you have, in all of those things. God chose to love you in the state that you were in. That's how God loves us. God first loved us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38, Paul, this writer, this guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament, is writing to the church in Rome. And just in case you're wondering, Rome had a lot of the cultural conversations that we're having right now. That's the church that he's writing to, and this is what he says. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you hear that? Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. This is a God who loves you. In 1 John chapter 4, um, just a few verses before verse 10 that I wrote a moment ago, or read a moment ago in verses 7 and 8, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. You guys, God does not love us because we're perfect. And here's what happens. If we're just to be honest with each other, we start following Jesus, and we do this church thing, we do this Christian thing, and we're walking with God for a little bit, and then we start to think, God, I kind of got this thing down, and God, here's what it is. You love me better when I read my Bible and when I pray, but oh man, I forgot to do that today, or I had greedy thoughts or lustful thoughts, or I was dishonest, or I did this. God, you don't love me as much today. That is not the God we serve. You need to hear that. That is not how God operates. This is not a God who's that fickle, who says, okay, today I'm going to like you on Facebook, and tomorrow I'm going to dislike you. That's not how God operates. This is a God with unconditional love that says, I love you, and I love you so much that I was willing to sacrifice myself. That's how much I desire to be close to you. That's how much I want to get to know you. I'll do whatever it takes to be near 
to you because I love you as my creation. That's the kind of God that we serve. He doesn't love us because we're perfect. He doesn't love us because there's no confusion in our life. He doesn't love us because we have all the answers. He loves us. This is the kind of God that we serve. And we have to move away from a mindset that says, God loves me because I'm perfect. Or God loves me because I have it all figured out. And God loves me on the days that I feel like I'm being good. And he loves me less on the days. No, all of that's a bad mindset. It's just understanding, God, you love us. 100% God loves transgender people. And so then I think also in that question is this idea then. Well, God, if you love transgender people, is this part of your purpose for them? Like, is this part of your will? Is your desire, God, that we as your creation would just pick and choose what we feel like our gender should be? Or is there a bigger story? Is there bigger, something bigger that you're doing here? God, how do you feel about people not lining up with their biological sex and choosing a different identity or choosing a different gender. And this is what we need to understand. God's love cannot be divorced from truth. God's love cannot be divorced from truth. You guys, this is difficult, and I don't say this lightly. We live in a world that wants us to divorce truth from love. And we live in a world, and this is hard. It's not easy, and I want to be honest. This is difficult that says, I want you to be loving. I want you to be kind. I want you to be compassionate. I want you to be respectful. And none of that has to relate to what is reality or what is truth. We want all of these virtues divorced from the virtue of truth. And that's a very hard place to live. And it's a very difficult place to be is that idea right there. And once again, it comes back to this concept. It's the author. It's God the creator, God the designer who gets to lead and direction and and bring direction and meaning to the story of my life. I cannot as the character just pick and choose what I want my story to be. That's not the way it works in God's kingdom. And so there's this beautiful interaction in John chapter 18, verse 37. If you've ever read this, it's right when Jesus is dying. And Jesus is brought before this Roman official named Pilate. And Pilate's having this conversation. Pilate is the judge and the jury rolled all up in one. And the Jewish leaders bring Jesus there because they can't kill him. They don't have the legal means to do that within their government system. Only Rome can do that. So Pilate can determine whether Jesus is going to live or die. And this is the conversation he has with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, so you're a king? And Jesus answers with the question, who told you that? Did you determine I was a king? Did the Jewish leaders tell you that? And this is Pilate's response in Pilate, or in John chapter 18, 18, verse 37. Pilate says, wait, so then you are a king? And Jesus answered and said, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate's respond is, come on, Jesus, what is truth? I mean, you could have taken Pilate, plucked him up, dropped him in 2021, and he would fit in perfectly with our culture. Come on, Jesus, your truth, my truth, what is truth really? Like, what can you even mean by that, that everyone on the side of truth listens to you? Who's determining what truth is? And this becomes a very difficult conversation. Once again, we want to divorce God's love from truth. And that's a hard place. And Jesus' response is, no, actually why I came is I came to show the world what is true. 
And everyone listening to, or everyone on the side of truth, they're going to listen to my voice. They're going to listen to what it is that I'm speaking over their life, what it is that I'm directing, the meaning that I'm bringing to their story. And Pilate's like, well, what is truth? A famous scholar, N.T. Wright, when he was commenting on John chapter 18, verse 37, this is what he says, Pilate was mistaken because we don't personally own truth. It comes from God himself, but it is meant like the kingdom of God to take up residence in each of our hearts. Truth is not owned by us. It's not your truth, my truth. What do you think is true? That could be true for you, but it's not true for me. No, that's not how it works. Truth is owned by God, but it's meant to take residence in our heart. That God, in his love for us, opens our eyes up to what is real, to the way that he's writing our story, to the direction and the meaning that he brings into our life. His love is not divorced from truth. The two go hand in hand together. That's God's desire for our life. This becomes a very difficult thing in our time and in our culture and in our world. Because no matter where you land on the idea of do we choose our own gender or identity, is it conveyed to us by God and given to us by God, this can become a very confusing conversation to be in. There was a number of years ago a story that was highlighted, you may have heard about this, of a young woman who was a part of an activist group who was standing up and speaking out for the rights of African Americans the social injustice, the racial injustice that they had experienced. And so she would speak at rallies and she would talk about the systematic injustice that her people had experienced in this nation over time. And how individuals that were white or of a Caucasian descent um, wrongly treated African Americans. And then after a number of months, it was discovered she was a young white female. And when confronted with this, she says, all of this is okay Because I was born a white female, but I identify as an African-American female. And people were in an uproar. And individuals were upset because they said, you're talking about the injustice of your people, but those are not your people. And this conversation becomes very confusing when truth is just determined by the individual. When we each can make up what it is that we want to be, or what it is that we want for our life, we have no foundation to stand on. And one apologist said it like this. He said, it's like we're boats floating around with no grounding, and we endanger ourselves of shipwrecking on the shore of life or running into each other and causing casualties. That's how he described it. When decades ago we decided morality, it's relative, because God's dead. There is no foundation. There is no higher being. There's no one out there to determine what is right. So moral is just what you determine or what I determine, what feels good and what is okay for me. That's what's good and that's what's evil. And then we went on to the conversation, well, maybe truth is relative. Truth is just relative. Your truth, my truth. And now we have magazines targeted at teenage girls and boys that are saying, Your reality is relative. It's all relative. And so you may have been born a certain way, but other people need to accept your reality. And whatever you determine is real, that is what is real in the world. And this becomes a very confusing conversation when we try to divorce truth from love. 
you guys, when children are young, they ask a lot of questions, don't they? Why? Why is the sky blue? I don't know. Mom and dad, why do I have to go to bed? Why do I have to eat my vegetables? Why do I have to do that? They ask a lot of questions. Why? And you guys, children expect the answers to be true. That whatever you're conveying, the answer that you give would be cohesive and would make sense and would line up with the way the world is. If you eat ice cream for breakfast long term, that may not be the best decision for your health. What lines up with what is real in the way the world functions. And yet in some of these conversations around sexuality and identity and gender, we're trying to provide answers that don't line up with the way that the world is. And you guys, this can become very confusing for our children and for the next generation when we decide that we want to divorce God's love from what is true in the way the world operates. And so I think in this conversation is this as well. Well, then what do we do as followers of Christ? Like, how do we respond if we know that God 100% loves transgender people, but God's desire, he's the author of our life, and his desire is for truth to take up residence inside of our hearts and in our lives, then how do we respond as a church? Well, I want to give you a few ways that I think we're called to respond And the first is this, it's that you and I need to stop trying to do God's work for him. We need to stop trying to do God's work for him. And here's what I mean by that. As I mentioned a moment ago, we can get caught up on these ideas and these issues and we can feel like we need to step in for God. God, our world is broken. There seems to be a lot of confusion, Lord, in what's going on. And so It doesn't seem like this is going very well, so God, I'm going to step in for you. And here's what we can do as the church or as Christians sometimes, is we can get this idea of, well, then it's my job to make people feel bad. Like, that's my role. And if I can make people feel bad enough, like if I can shame you or guilt you or make you feel like you're a horrible person, then you're going to see how horrible life is and you're going to want Jesus. And really, that's been a mindset in the church for some time, that God, it doesn't seem like this is going good, so I'm going to make people feel bad, and then maybe they'll want God more. And the scripture teaches us something opposite. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, this is what it says. Paul, once again, writing to the church there in Rome, he says, or do you think lightly of the riches of God's kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that it is the kindness of God that leads you to repentance? Do you hear that? I'm letting that sink in for a moment. It is the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. You guys, I very seriously doubt that a poster board that says the world is burning and going to hell is ever going to change someone's heart. I just don't think it will. Can I tell you what scripture says will? A God that says, I love you so much, I'll leave heaven. I'll leave the riches of my kingdom. I'll come and be near to you. And when you don't fully understand the direction of your life, or you don't know the way things should go, or you feel confused about where you are at, I will sacrifice myself just to be near to you. 
when he saw that we were disconnected and we could do nothing to fix our brokenness. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't work hard enough. We couldn't try enough. God says, I will do my part. I will leave heaven and I will come to be near to you. And it's that kind of love, scripture says, that will lead us to repentance. That's what changes our heart when we see what God actually did, that he was willing to go to the cross to be reconciled to us, to bring us back into a right relationship with him. This is the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God that loves you right where you are at. He desires to be in relationship with you. That's what we need to realize. And so we need to stop trying to do God's work for him This is what we need to do. We need to acknowledge the brokenness in people's lives. I want you to hear this. If you are transgender or you have questions about gender identity and and where you identify or you have close friends or family members that are wrestling through this, I just want to say I am sorry if the church has ever made you feel isolated. That is not a good picture of Jesus. And if you've ever felt disconnected from God, I want you to hear me 100%. God loves you. With everything inside of him, he loves you, church. And if you've ever felt something else, I'm sorry. That's not a good picture of who God is. And church, there are so many that are walking through this that they feel isolated and they feel broken. And we need to do a better job as the church of just acknowledging that. Hey, I'm sorry you're going through these questions. And I'm sorry this is painful. And we need to stop talking so much and we need to listen more. And we need to ask the right questions and just acknowledge what they're going through. This is hard. This is difficult. And we as the church, the second thing we need to do is we need to love like God loves. We need to do a better job of that. I don't think we're doing great at that. We need to love like God loves people. And so if you know someone that's transgender, that has questions about gender identity, what we simply need to do is to invite them into a relationship with God. And if you're like, Aaron, we can't do that. I don't don't think we can do that. I want to remind you, God did not wait for you to be perfect or have it all figured out when he invited you into a relationship. And I trust this, you guys, that God is big enough and he's good enough to reshape my life however it needs to be reshaped. And not just with people that are dealing with issues of transgender or questions about gender identity. With anything in our life, God is big enough to reshape what he needs to reshape. He is. So I don't have to be God's bouncer. I don't have to be heaven's bouncer. I can invite them into a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit in his goodness as a good counselor, as a good guide, as a faithful witness to the truth in our life. He can work on what he needs to work on in each of us. And we need to let people know God wants a relationship with you. He wants to be near to you. He wants to be connected with you. The last thing is we need to speak the truth full of grace. Church, in danger of you misunderstanding what I'm saying, I do not believe we as God's creation can tell the author of our story what to do. 
I just don't believe that. And so I am in no way saying we love and divorce that from truth. If you've heard that this morning, you've misunderstood what I've said. But here's what I think is we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into those conversations. So many times we feel some kind of guilt or shame like we have to do God's work for him. And can I tell you how many times when I just acknowledge brokenness, when I love like God loves, that the Holy Spirit opens the conversation that he needs to have. And most of the time, I don't have to try to bring something up or force something. I cannot tell you how many people that struggle with issues of sexual identity or gender that they start to ask the questions. Aaron, how do I wrestle with this? What does God think about me? What does the Bible say? Does God love me? They're wanting to know. There's a deep desire in their heart for what it is that God thinks of them. And we have the opportunity to speak the truth with grace. Can I share one more verse with you? John chapter 1 verse 16 says this, Out of his fullness we all received grace in place of grace already given. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We are called as the church to have this beautiful balance of grace and truth. Not one or the other, not either or or, but a beautiful balance of both grace and truth. This is one of my favorite verses in Scripture, and this is what I pray over and over again. God, let my life be full of grace and truth, Lord. God, help me to reflect you, Jesus, because you were such a beautiful picture of that, Lord. As you spoke direction and meaning into people's life, it was always full of grace and truth. And that's how we are called to be as the church. And so I want you to hear this. If you're transgender, if you have questions about gender identity or you're non-binary, God 100% loves you. He loves you. And my invitation would be, have a conversation with the author of your story. Don't just think as the character of the story that you get to decide the way the story goes. Talk to the one who is writing your story, who loves you, who moved heaven and earth to be near to you because he is the one that ultimately brings meaning and direction to the story of our lives. It's the author that does that. And so I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask if you would take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes. In this first prayer, I just want to be clear, it's not just for those that have questions about, well, I feel like I'm transgender. I don't feel like my identity matches up with my biological makeup. But it could be for anyone listening that you felt disconnected from God. You felt isolated. Maybe you didn't feel like you had a place in the church or in this community of faith. And this morning, I want you to hear the voice of God clearly He's inviting you into a relationship with him. He so desperately wants to be near to you. He loves you with everything inside of his heart. And he chose the cross to prove it to us, to reconcile us back into relationship with God. You don't have to wait till you're perfect 
You don't have to have all the right answers. You don't have to have removed every doubt or confusion in your life to come to Jesus. He wants a relationship with you. And so if that's you, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I'm going to ask for everyone to pray this out loud. Whether you're here in this room, you may be at home by yourself. But I want you to say this out loud because we don't want anyone praying this alone. Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I feel disconnected from you, God. But I want to know your love. So I invite you in. Be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give direction and meaning to my story. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, church, can you just put your hands together and celebrate with anyone who may have prayed that prayer? And I just want you to hear this. You may still have questions. There may still be things that you don't understand. But if you prayed that and you meant that in your heart, the Bible says that heaven is rejoicing and heaven is throwing a party and celebrating with you on you accepting the love of God and the forgiveness of God in your life. That's God's desire. And I want to lead us in one more prayer. And this is what I want us to pray this morning. It's that God would help us with this message that we've just heard. And for some of us, in all different kinds of walks of life and seasons of life and all different things going on in our life, we may need to say, God, I need you to speak into the direction and the meaning of my life. God, I need your help in what I'm walking through. For others of us, we forfeited people for an idea or a dogma or something that we thought was true. And we need to ask God, help me to love like you love. Help me to be a reflection of your love in the world. For some of us, we may need to acknowledge brokenness or love like God loves. Or we may need to look for those moments where God leads us to speak the truth with grace. And to have conversations with others. But in all of that, we want to reflect Jesus to the world around us. So we're just going to pray that's what kind of church we would be. And that God would help us to love people like he loves them. So let's pray together this morning. God, I know this is a difficult conversation for us. Lord, we look at what's going on in the world, God, what's going on around us. And, and this is something that's hard. And God, I, I, don't, I know there's not an easy answer or a quick fix or, or something small to just say about this, Lord. But God, we leave this morning realizing you love us. And God, wherever we find ourselves, Lord, we find ourselves surrounded by your love. So help us wake up today and tomorrow and this week with that realization that you love us. God, as the church, we want to be a reflection of that love and of that truth in a world that many times is very confused. God, for our students that are walking into school surrounded by friends with so many questions and those of us that walk into the workplace or into our community or into family relationships, God, and there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of confusion. Lord, we want to be a picture of your love and of your truth, God, and how you came demonstrating both grace and truth to the world around you, Lord. We want to reflect that. 
And so I pray for each and every one of us, help us to be that example. God, help us to be that love to a world that so desperately needs that. God, we don't want to be imbalanced one way or the other, Lord. We want to reflect you well to the world around us. So help us to do that, Lord, when it deals with our family members and our brothers and our sisters and our kids, God, and neighbors and coworkers, Lord, and classmates. God, we want to reflect your love so very well, God. We want the world to see you for who you are. And so I pray, help us to be this church. And God, let it overflow. Let it impact. God, let it bring change and transformation to those around us that need to see your love. God, we pray this in your name. Amen.